We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekomsky coming to you from the frozen north. And I literally do mean frozen. The snow's on the ground. The temperatures are below zero of Northfield, Minnesota. And this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark coming to you from a little further south, a little more temperate, uh, beautiful South St. Louis, uh, where I serve as pastor at Ascension Lutheran Church. I think the high's supposed to be like 50 today, John, and it's sunny uh, out. Uh, Thanks, Robert. But keep that. That's fine. You can have that now. But I'm coming back uh, this next weekend, so make sure that it stays that way. Okay. <laughs> when I get home, we'll see uh, what we can do. Yeah. So uh, what are you what are you doing up there in the in Minnesota in the middle of January? I thought this was your summer home. Uh, well, it is, but we always try to come up here uh, right after Christmas to uh, see all the kids up here and have Christmas with them. Uh, and we were supposed to go, as we talked about last week, to the uh, uh, the uh, Winter Classic, that outdoor hockey. I don't know who thought it was a good idea to have an outdoor <laughs> hockey game on January 1st yeah. in Minnesota. In Minnesota, uh, yeah. But yeah, now we come up here and spend a couple of weeks and then get back to work down there. Uh, in New Athens, so our time well, the appears... Impo- the, good for you. Go the ahead. importance of family willing to brave the, the winter <laughs> in Minnesota for the sake of family. So good yeah. for you, John. I hope That's they appreciate great. how much we love them. Because <laughs> 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 we could be in 50-degree weather, as you right. said. We should remind um, them of that. <laughs> before we end this year, and you were talking about last week, about how every year is the year of our Lord, which is a good thing. Uh, our times are in His hands, as you quoted from the Psalms. Could I share with you just one sign, I think, that this might be a better year than what last year was? Please do. Um, I think our listeners would appreciate that. My stepdaughter, Stephanie, who's actually in Duluth, Minnesota, which actually makes us seem like Florida. <laughs> okay. Even colder up in Duluth. <laughs> Man, and more snow, and it's just, I don't know. But, but she's up there uh, visiting her fiancé right now. And again, so it's family, isn't it? You, you're willing to go to places where it's extreme to be with, with family. But in Duluth, she, on the, on the grocery shelves, found something called cream of bacon Soup. <laughs> they have that cream of Whoa. bacon. Uh, so I'm asking our listeners. I'm going to go to the grocery store after we get done talking and see if we can find it here in Northfield. But wherever you at, would you do that, please? Go check your stores and see. I want to make sure it's not just some Duluth thing, but that that this will actually be a worldwide phenomenon because it should be. Wouldn't you agree with me? It should. Oh yeah, be. I, I am ready to contact my local grocer. And make sure that they stock the shelves with cream of bacon soup, John. I didn't know that was a thing. I had no idea. She actually showed me a photo. I said, are you kidding? She said, no, it's right there on the grocery store. It's not a joke. It's, oh, man, doesn't that bring some peace to you? Cream of bacon. This is a game changer. I mean, think of, I mean, you can eat it, obviously, just as a soup. But think of all the other recipes you can incorporate that into. Well, Exactly. We don't want to use cream of mushroom anymore oh, when we no. make a hot dish. No, no. Cream of bacon, though. There you go. 
<laughs> they hit it potluck dinners. Oh, yeah. That's the secret ingredient. Oh, I put in a little cream of bacon. <laughs> oh, you know what? Now, now there's going to be a run on the cream of bacon. Everyone will be hoarding it and it will be able to get out. Oh, forget I know there's no such thing as cream of bacon. That was just a story. <laughs> You're going to start hoarding the cream of bacon, John. That's, that's true. So, so here's the other thing talking about the new year. Uh, you were talking about last week how how we shouldn't approach the year as if we're in control, uh, and we shouldn't approach the year as if it's a chaos. Yes. And and uh, um, I, I got to do a story with Brady Finnern on uh, Thy Strong Word, uh, you know, another show on KFU oh, yeah. on, on Tuesdays at eleven, um, and so he gave me a section of Matthew eight, and and what was cool is it's three stories, and I've dealt with all of these stories individually. Because uh, we do have a year of Matthew named after you. Isn't that incredible? I didn't get. Oh, I did, too. I don't get a whole year. But I. I <laughs> yeah. They, uh, John gets in there every once in a while. That's good. That a little canary. Uh, they have to John. It's good. But, but you and all the other Matthews, you get a whole year to yourself. But the problem is, Matt, as pastors, we just read one section and then we go into another section. <laughs> and I'd never seen how these three stories all tie together. So I want to share the stories with our listeners, and I also want to show you how they all tie together. But here's the neatest thing. It occurred to me that these stories are my story and your story and the story that everybody that's listening to us. So so you ready to do that? Yeah, and I think it's a great point, John, for our listeners. And, and a reminder for us as pastors is the importance of context, because I think we, we come to worship and we have a, a gospel reading that's maybe, you know, seven verses, ten verses. And we almost read it in, in isolation, uh, which you can still glean good stuff out of it, no doubt, God's word. But even before coming to worship, if you know what those verses are, what we're going to be looking at, look at what's around it, too. Um, that's part of our sermon prep, you know, a lot of times, but then also, I think, for our worshipers, too. I think that's helpful. So uh, thanks for bringing that up. So read, if you would, Matthew 8. We're going to start in the middle of the three stories. Okay. So read Matthew 8, verse 23, if you would. Sure. And when he, when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, no, no, just, just one verse. Okay, okay all right. <laughs> Hold up there. All right. Put right. those reins in there. <laughs> it was getting good, John. It was getting good. Uh, but, but see, here's what it occurred. That's our life right there. Everyone that's listening to us right now, Jesus is coming to you. And he says, hey, get into the boat. Let's go. Let's take a trip. And, and of course, the problem is we think it's a pleasure cruise. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, we we went to. Have you ever been to Door County? Have you ever been to Door County? Oh, I, I I know we have members who have, and they love it up there. But no, I have not been myself. I hear it's beautiful. Yeah, well, it's kind of a, a what is it? An isthmus or whatever. It sticks out in between the two great lakes. There, beautiful, beautiful countryside. Lots of fruit. Uh, cherries grow there. Uh, and and we went on a little boat tour. And this was a, just a nice little pleasant boat. The weather wasn't bad. There was a guy singing. It was a music cruise. And I think that's what we figure. Oh, well, because you got Jesus. It's got to be good, right? If you're taking a cruise with Jesus, that's the Jesus cruise. That's right. Well, All you can eat. Yeah, all you can eat. That's right. You'll love the. <laughs> of course, yeah. all you can eat. Yeah, cream of bacon soup. <laughs> That's right. But but we soon find out that when you're in the boat with Jesus, it's not easy. And he, you know, he told us that it was right there on the brochure. He said, "Take up your cross <laughs> and follow me." Yeah. So if yeah. you read 
uh, verse 24. Just, just that one verse. Yeah, no, I love that. No, yeah, the disciples followed him. Okay, they're following yeah. him into the boat. Okay, verse 24. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, and that the boat was being swamped by the water, the waves. But Jesus was asleep. And, and again, it occurred to me, that this is my life. <laughs> this, this could be my story. Because I'm just on the boat with Jesus, figuring that's going to be a cool thing, right? But then the storm arises. And the darndest thing is Jesus appears to be asleep. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing, but he certainly isn't addressing my problems and my troubles. And I got more problems than a monkey on a rock. Let me tell you that, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, but but isn't that true? I have no so, idea what that means, John. <laughs> it's something David Letterman used to say. If I just picked it up, uh, um, and I know it's not that way all the time. In fact, we we had some really good time times over Christmas. But I'll tell you this much, honestly, over the Christmas holiday, we also had some things just go totally belly up, topsy turvy. Yeah. Yeah. And you do. You wonder well, where's Jesus at? Why is he allowing this stuff to happen? But I'm just letting everybody know. This is life with Jesus on the boat, okay? It does happen. Don't be surprised by it. As I said, he told us this kind of stuff was going to happen. And Any comments about that in, in, in your life, Matt? Or... Yeah, oh, for sure. I, this, you know, again, this shouldn't come as a surprise, although it, it often does, right? Uh, that there's going to be storms uh, in the world, storms surrounding us. I, the one verse that I just quoted quickly last week was, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus tells us that too. Uh, he doesn't hide that. Um, yeah, that's that's the reality of living in a fallen, imperfect world. Um, this side of Jesus' return on the last day. Yep. So, how many years ago was it, or maybe it hasn't been years, that that you fell out of a tree? <laughs> it's been oh, uh, a little over two years. Okay. Uh, and that's exactly what we're talking about, isn't it? Because you were having just a good time with your kids. You were yeah. actually on vacation. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden you're in an ambulance being rushed to a hospital. Um, all right. So, the so great we, storm, yeah. So now we know what's going on. And here's what we need to do. Verse 25. Okay. Uh, and they went and woke him, saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. And so that's a simple answer. If, if you're finding the boat's kind of rocking, or even if you're in the middle of a terrible storm that you think you're going to perish, well, you go to Jesus. And if you think he's asleep, wake him up. <laughs> Shake him with your prayers. <laughs> Yell at him, whatever it takes. But I, I, I want to focus on this next verse because there's something in here that I never knew uh, until this year, 2022. Right, Talk about the year of the Lord. Uh, verse 26. Okay. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. And he rose and rebuked the wind and the sea. And there was a great calm. So that's not a correct translation. And I don't know why the English wants to translate, why are you afraid? Because if you check it out in the Greek, it's not the word phobos. Okay. It's mm -hmm. not the word that was used of Mary. Remember when the angel comes to Mary and she's afraid. Yeah. And remember when the host of angels came to the shepherds and they were sore afraid. Okay. But this is a different word. In fact, the word here literally means cowardly. That's the problem. You are cowards, cowardly. Jesus is saying. Okay. Um, and, and I think for us to get through this trip with Jesus on the boat, we need to understand that's what we are. We are cowardly. Okay. 
Uh, there's nothing wrong with fear, by the way. Uh, if, if you're on a boat and the boat is about to sink, that is a reason to be frightened. Uh, Jesus Christ himself, you know, when he was facing the cross, how did he show his fear, Matt? Yeah, well, I think of uh, you know, the Garden of Gethsemane, first yeah. and foremost. And, and yet in that fear, he, like, like we talked about just recently, he takes that to his father in prayer, though. Oh, man. Perfect example, Matt. Yeah. So there's a legitimate reason to be afraid because he knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. He does mm-hmm. just what, what they do here. You just bring it to God. You, you, you take it to God. Um, and it's interesting that he says that they are people of little faith. Um, and, and, and the word little there is because this cowardice of theirs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but the faith word there is because they did at least know to come to Jesus. And, and I think what really tickles me about this story is what does Jesus do for these people of little faith, these cowardly people of little faith? What does he do? He still uh, fulfills their request, right? He saves them. Uh, he rises, he rebukes the wind and the sea, and, and there's a great calm. So, so here's the thing for all of us to recognize. If you have a, a little faith, that doesn't mean God won't answer your prayers. That there are, There's this horrible teaching that comes from the devil that says, you know, the reason God hasn't answered your prayers is because your faith isn't great enough. So you get a great faith. You start really trusting in the Lord and having confidence in him. Then he will finally answer your prayers. And the clear testimony of Scripture is, no, no, he doesn't need for your faith to be great. And then he answers your prayers. He answers the prayers of people with great faith. He answers the prayers of people with little faith. Uh, Before we're done today, We'll see he answers the prayers of people that don't have any faith at all, okay? He's the one in control. Well, read verse 27 to just emphasize that. Sure. And then, uh, and the men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? All right, so he's in calling the shots, and he will do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. It's not a matter of your faith being so strong. In fact, you can even be cowardly. And he will still do what he needs to do, okay? So, so don't worry about that. Now, I want to go back, though, because here's a connection I never saw before. Go back, if you would, to the story before, uh, which is about Jesus telling him that they're going to leave. So verse 18, if you yeah, will, Matt. You bet. Okay. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. All right. So this, this is the context. Uh, and, and, and again, Having not looked at the context, and, and, and thank you for pointing out, now that I'm retired, thanks for letting me know, Matt, <laughs> that context is important. All these years, you could have been looking at the context. Right. Well, we've been working together for how many years? You could have said something. Um, but, but so, yeah, so this is the context. Up to this point, it's been easy to follow Jesus. You go out in the mountains, you listen to him preach, you go home and sleep in your own bed. And, and now Jesus said, no, we're leaving. We're packing up our bags. We're leaving town. In fact, we're going to go to the other side of Galilee. And why you'd want to go to the other side of Galilee, I, I don't know. There's nothing over there. That's that's pagan country. That's where yep. people, that's people, they, they have the cream of bacon over there, Matt. Oh, the Gentiles <laughs> on the other side. Yeah, yeah. Feeding pigs, eating pigs. Oh, they're crazy people. I mean, we got demon-possessed people in our country, but, but over there in pagan country, the demons are so fierce. They're so wicked that men cannot prevail over them. They are something to be truly frightened of, see? But Jesus wants to go there, and he wants to go in a fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee where you know that at any moment storms can arise. So I'm simply saying at this point, now you really have to be a disciple. 
Now it's not just so simple to listen to Jesus, go to church on a Sunday, and then go back home and just relax. No, now you might have to make some sacrifices, which, by the way, that's what Christianity is about. If anybody's been listening to us thinking, oh, Christianity, that's an easy religion. You don't have any works to do. You just let God do everything. No, no, I'm telling you right now, you're on the boat with Jesus. He's going to have all kinds of incredibly difficult things for you to do. <laughs> okay. This is not the Door County Pleasure Cruise. Oh, thank you. I'm here. That's exact. Oh, perfect. Perfect illustration. So we have the response of a couple of people to this call to go to the other side. Now that you know what how tough it is to get to the other side. Verse 19, if you would, Matt. And a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And read verse 22. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> and Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So what do you think's going on there, Matt? Well, yeah, so someone wants to, yeah, they think that this is a pleasure cruise, right? I would yeah. assume, the, the yeah. scribe. I would have followed you too. I've seen some some miracles. You've healed many, you know, and you know some of the things you've said intrigue me, Jesus. I'll follow you. And and Jesus is, oh, this is this is not easy. No, um, the, the Son of Man, that's himself, has nowhere to lay his head. Uh, take up your cross and follow me if that's what you want. Yeah, so I think I think that's the, the point exactly. Uh, this is not going to be easy. This is going to be a very, very challenging thing. I wonder if this business about nowhere to lay his head, I, I think of the cross. Because on the cross, of course, you have nowhere to lay your head. Um, yeah, yeah. So well, Jesus um, is honest, you know, I mean, he's forthright. This is not a bait and switch type thing, you know, um, no following him, the, uh, the cost of discipleship. There's, there's, there's something to that. All right. So, so actually what we have here, we have a word for it in English. It's called false bravado. Uh, we will see Peter do the same thing, won't we? When Jesus is talking about the difficulties that will come uh, with his uh, crucifixion, and Peter says, "Oh Lord, I'll go to prison. I'll die for you." But no, no, you just don't understand how difficult. No, any smart man will say, "Jesus, I cannot do this." When you say, "Take up your cross and follow me, Lord," I don't know, because I'm a coward. Remember that I'm a coward. I don't know that I can do that. That I can take up my cross and follow you. Let's look at the answer, uh, the response of another disciple there, verse 21 and 22. Yeah, another disciple said to him, Lord, let me go and bury my father first. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Now, how, that's a really, really tough passage, Matt. So how, have you, how do you deal with that passage? How do you uh, uh, explain that? That, that he, the guy wants to bury his father and Jesus says, oh, follow me. Yeah, I mean, first, as hard yeah. as that sounds, I mean, I think it it really speaks to the first commandment, you know, that we we love God above all things, you know, to seek first his kingdom. And, you know, as important as family is, you know, uh, still they're a gift from God and uh, not, not God himself, right? Uh, our heavenly father is number one, not our earthly father, as, as wonderful as our earthly fathers are. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So following Jesus, uh, that's number one. And, and I think that, that uh, uh, loving family is not as easy as we think it is. And I really don't think we can truly love our family the way they need to be loved unless we first uh, have Jesus, unless we yeah. have him, we're yeah. following him. Um, I, I mean, the world loves. I'm not denying that. But you'll notice the world loves where it's easy to love. They love people when they're likable. They love people when it doesn't require a lot of them to love them. But But trust me. 
uh, in your family, there are going to be times when you're not necessarily going to like your family members. There are going to be times in your life when what your family requires of you is a lot, maybe a lot more than you really feel like you have the energy and strength to do. Uh, and it occurred to me that Jesus is absolutely right. If, if we don't begin with faith, then all we are is dead people burying dead people. That, that's as good as it'll get here in this world without Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the only one that can change the death into life. And I'm not just talking about eternal life in heaven, but I'm, I mean real life here, a life that's lived out of compassion and concern for people, rather than just going through the rituals. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah, we can go through the rituals of burying the yep. dead. But but to, to do it with faith and love, oh, man, that's incredible. Well, too hard for us. Too hard for us. No. no but if we have Jesus, it, it is possible. So anything else about those verses, Matt? And no, I think that that's great insight. Yeah, thanks, Sean. I, I think just, you know, uh, it, as far as the storm goes, you know, you have the, you know, Jesus, you know, you, you, you dealt with, you know, it's not about little faith, right? But I think it's also in our prayers for for help from the Lord. It's not that God is indifferent. You know, um, Jesus wasn't indifferent when he was asleep on the boat. He cared about the disciples still. Um, so that's not it at all either. And we see that in his coming the storm. And I, I think, Matt, that that's the uh, uh, thing here. I never thought about it. It sounds like Jesus is indifferent to this man's family. But yeah. no, no, you're right. He's not indifferent to the man's yeah. family. But yeah. but in order to truly love this family the way they need to be loved, to be truly given the support in the time of grief that they need, you got to have Jesus. He's got to be in there first. Otherwise, we are nothing but the dead burying the dead. We only yeah. have a few minutes left. If you could read verse 28. Okay. And when they came to the other side, okay, this is after the storm has been calmed. Yes, yeah. So now uh, we've got on the boat. We've crossed over the other side. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Okay. Uh, to the country of the... Uh, uh, Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men, met him coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. All right, so we're not going to have time to deal with this story in its entirety, but I thought it was interesting that the reason Jesus made these men get on the boat, face a terrible storm, live with fear that they might die, was because there were two demon-possessed guys on the other side that he wanted to heal. In fact, what's really interesting is after he heals these two demon-possessed men, he gets in the boat and goes back home. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of truth is this? <laughs> yeah. And if you're going to we went through all of this misery, all this torment, just so two demon-possessed guys could be healed? And the answer is, yep. <laughs> yep. That's exactly. Uh, uh, so trust me, as we get on the boat with Jesus and we deal with the storms that come with being on a boat with Jesus, because seriously, if you don't get on the boat with Jesus, it's probably going to be easier. Right? It's not going to be easier with, no, no, but, but the thing is, is Jesus is calling us to love, to love people. And that's hard, especially demon-possessed guys who are so fierce that no one could pass their way. No one else cares about these guys, do you think? No one else cares about him. Waiting them, I'm sure. You know, yeah. but Jesus intentionally goes out of his way to to minister to them. In, in fact, my wife pointed out something that I thought was really cool. She said, "You know, Jesus didn't need the boat. He didn't need the disciples. He could have just walked across sure. the Sea of Galilee and here." But this is how Jesus wants to do it. He wants to take his disciples. He wants to take us with him as he do does these things. And I know it's hard. It's really, really hard. But that's how he wants to do things. He wants us to share in his love for the people around us. 
And in sharing in that love, we will be strengthened in our faith, and we will also grow to have the same kind of love that Jesus has for us, a love that is willing to sacrifice all. Um, And I want to point out to you one final thing about these guys did not come and pray to Jesus, did they? They did not come and say, Jesus, we're perishing, deliver us. But did Jesus still love them and heal them? Absolutely, he did. So anyway, Matt, thank you for giving me the opportunity to to share something I never saw before, because I just read individual stories. I never saw how they're all connected together. Yeah, great insights. Thanks, Sean. And we welcome all of our listeners to get on the boat with Jesus, for this has been Wrestling Wrestling with with the Basics. Basics.